Hello, and welcome to Triassic Park. My name is Jason. I'm taking over our hosting duties um, this week for Triassic Park as Andrew continues to recuperate. You know, he's doing well. He's getting better, taking his time. Uh, and so I thought, you know, um, he asked me to jump on and take you through the final episode of the Jaws saga with Jaws 4. The Revenge. And also, the unofficial sequel, Jaws 5, Cruel Jaws. So, so this week, you know, Sophie and I are going to be our guests. Say hi, Sophie. Oh, hello. Good to be here. <laughs> Loving sharks. Can't wait. Yeah, yeah. Um, we're going to talk uh, some Jaws 4, some the beloved Jaws 4. And uh, then get right into talking about Cruel Jaws, which some of you I'm sure have never heard of, which I can't wait to enlighten you about that film. But let's start with Jaws, The Revenge. In October of 1986, Sid Sheinberg placed a phone call to director Joseph Sargent. The idea was to make a new Jaws film. On the face of it, this seems somewhat ludicrous. After all, the second and third Jaws films were relative failures, at least from a critical standpoint, and were not good looks for either of those film's directors, especially Joe Alves, who would never go on to direct another motion picture after that. And Joseph Sargent wasn't a nobody in 1986. He had directed the beloved Taking of Pelham 123. He had won two Emmys already. He would go on to win two more, and he was nominated several times, as well as winning a Director's Guild of America award. So what convinced him to do Jaws the Revenge amounts to essentially a single phrase uttered by Sid to him over the phone. We want a quality people picture, not a shark picture, he said. Also, he wanted to make a quality of picture that matched the first film. Not to mention he was willing to put universal caliber money behind it. From Scheinberg's standpoint, it's likely Universal needed a moneymaker, and whatever anyone can say about Jaws 2 or Jaws 3D, they were moneymakers. Jaws 2 had, at the time, was the highest grossing sequel in film history, and Jaws 3D was profitable, albeit with diminished returns. But Universal hadn't fared well on their last two films. Legal Eagles, and most notably Howard the Duck, Universal needed a moneymaker. In retrospect, the quality portion of the phrase Schamburg hook sergeant with would probably be in question, but it's also easy to see how any ambitious director would want to take on an official Jaws film. But there were many early signs, including the fact that the film was initially titled Jaws 87 as an homage to the disaster movies of the 70s that should have been signs that this wasn't really a people movie. But the selling point around quality is probably why, in part, they were also able to pull in the talent they were capable of mustering. Michael Caine, who is fresh off his performance in the Woody Allen film Hannah and Her Sisters, a role in which he would win the Academy Award for and fail to attend the ceremony to receive because he was filming this movie, also probably uh, money played a role in that as well. Kane reportedly made $1.5 million in 1987 money for what amounted to about a week's worth of work. Asked later about the experience, the illustrious Sir Michael would say on the Jonathan Ross show, 
Somebody said, have you seen Jaws 4? I said no, but I have seen the house it bought for my mom, and it's fantastic. And much of what we know about the making of Jaws the Revenge cast doubt on the lie Sid Scheinberg used to hook Joseph Sargent. He immediately asked for the film to be completed by the summer of 87, leaving them an incredibly thin margin for error. Nine months of filming on a franchise historically fraught with delays and technical bedlam. Filming for seven days in Martha's Vineyard and 38 in Nassau and the Bahamas. The screenplay was written and completed in just five days. The ritual, which included the Brody family being cursed by a witch doctor, tying into the shark being out to get the, the Brody brood. This, which was cut from the final script, aside from a side comment from Michael to his mother asking if she believes in voodoo, this entire plotline, though, remains in the novelization. This is one of a few changes in pivots that contributes to the overall confusion of the film. After all, without the outright magical element, Lorraine Gray's character of Ellen Brody's psychic connection to the shark seems completely out of left field. There's also the issue of Michael Brody. In Jaws 3D, Michael is a mechanic and now has him strangely transitioned into a marine biologist, strapping giant contraptions on mollusks and ultimately returning home after Sean is murdered by the shark. His arm viciously severed, just doing his normal duties as the town of Amity's deputy. This role was initially to be a moment that was intended for Roy Scheider, who opted to stay away, likely after his experience with Jaws 2 and his disinterest in playing a small cameo role. This leaves Chief Brody to die of a heart attack off-camera, and then also be attributed to the shark by his wife. With Sean's demise, and no Scheider, that left two of the Brody clan we know and care about. Michael, played by Lance Guest, repeatedly worked seven days a week while filming to get this done, and had starred previously in films like The Last Starfighter and Halloween 2, and Ellen. Ellen, played by Lorraine Gary, who was out of acting and working as a literary agent and wife of Sid Scheinberg, who was thrust into the starring role. It's understandable why she would be attracted to this film, to be the star of a major motion picture set to be a summer blockbuster as a woman, a mature woman in Hollywood, this is still rarely treaded upon ground. Quote-unquote, they were tired of nubile, young bodies, Lorraine Gary said. Also, aliens had just come out, at least partially paving the way for this sort of role. They even likely borrowed the tagline, this time it's war, and transformed it into, this time it's personal, for Jaws the Revenge. And then there's Mario Van Peebles' character. Mario had initially turned down the role, viewing 3D and Jaws 2 as terribly acted films. Van Peebles said of the film, They said two magic things to me. We're going to double your money and do the character you want. He had just started gaining steam as a character actor in Clint Eastwood's Heartbreak Ridge. All of this, ballooning budget, script issues, insane time expectations, before we even get to the concerns about production. Predictably, or what should have been predictable at least at this point, and as is tradition, the sharks didn't work. Once again in a Jaws film, cast, crew, and studio did battle with the ocean, and the ocean won, destroying the sharks as they were connected to hydraulic lifts that were on the bottom of the ocean, stopping production time and time again, making the short time of production even more insane. After the film's release on the 17th of July, 1987, the film took a critical bashing. 
One of the things audience and critics hate the most was the gory death of Mario Van Peebles' character. So Sid Sheinberg decided to reshoot the ending for Overseas. And likely this is the ending many of us have seen on television. They tried to keep it a secret, but it was poorly done. The tram riders in Universal were even treated to information from the tour guides about the reshoots. The ending showed Van Peebles' character swimming as well as the shark roaring like a lion while its head explodes from the impalement of the boat. In the end, it appears the Jaws franchise is a fickle one, having skyrocketed the epic career of Steven Spielberg, but also ending a few as well, including Joe Alves, as well as Lorraine Gary, who chose to never star in another film again. So Sophie, what's your experience with Jaws the Revenge? And how are your feelings watching it this time? Oh my gosh. Well, before I answer that question, let me just say that I, uh, I have a very storied past with this franchise in general, in that I saw the original Jaws when I was much too young. And mm. um, it created in me what is almost certainly a uh, completely absurd uh, phobia of sharks, such that <laughs> like, I am afraid when I was growing up, my parents had an above ground swimming pool and I was afraid to be in it alone during the day is like how significant my shark phobia is because yeah. of the original Jaws. Those in ground, those, um, you know, above ground pool uh, sharks are dangerous. Famous, famously. So, I mean, yes. if you, if you think that is bad, my father has once all the kids moved out, like he invested in one of those pools that is like a treadmill for swimming where it's basically mm. a, a pool that is only big enough for your body and there's a jet that blows at you and you swim against the current. Yes. And I can't use it because I'm too scared of sharks. Wow. Physically, a shark could not fit in there with me. It's not <laughs> a very large pool, um, but still, doesn't matter. So I had seen parts of Jaws 2 and 3 um, a lot as a kid, like on TV and things, but I had never seen either one of them in their entirety and I had kind of mashed them into one movie in my head. Um, I had never seen Jaws 4 until maybe a month and a half ago uh, when I watched Goodness. it for the first time. So, um, what I mean, what a movie. It's, it's really hard to separate what I thought of the movie from the fact that I am an avid How Did This Get Made listener and had obviously heard mm. them discuss it years ago. Um, so, like, the only things I remembered about the How Did This Get Made episode was that... Um, the shark roars and that Michael Keaton, Michael Caine was going to be in it. And like, neither of those things disappointed at all. Um, you know, I feel like I'm going to come out here with a maybe controversial decision or uh, opinion, but I actually really like Jaws 4. <laughs> so, well, I mean, there's liking Jaws 4 and thinking it's a good movie, which are two different things. Totally right? fair. I would not argue that it's a good movie for yeah, sure. It's a very entertaining movie. It's, a gloriously short film, first of all, right? Yes. Like, it is a film that is just on and is over before you know it, and you get... Not since host have I been like, wait, is it over already? <laughs> um, <laughs> um, Michael Cade taking the little girl and making her fly the plane at the beginning, first of all, is just amazing. He's it's just... delightful. He's just... <laughs> <laughs> he's just flying that plane into close and buzzing houses and they're all laughing with that girl sitting yeah. on his lap. 
Um, I mean, Jason, you're a parent. Wouldn't you, I assume that you would react exactly the same way. If, oh, yeah, if totally. an old man was like, hello, cute child, come sit on my lap and you can fly the airplane. <laughs> not even the real Michael Caine would I let that happen. Um, maybe especially not the real Michael Caine. Wow. Yeah, it, I sort of agree with you. Like, I don't. I know, obviously, it's a bad film. Um, I think for people, though, I think for people who love the first Jaws, which obviously one of the greatest films ever made, right? I think yeah, that's hard absolutely. to um, argue. You have to compare it to that film. Like, uh, that's, that's the... I, th I really feel like that is the curse of the Jaws film, is Steven Spielberg. How good that film is. Yeah. Um, against all odds, right? The storied history of that film. Nothing can live up to it. You know, that's sort of... I think the curse of it, right? Every film after is trying to match it. Instead right. of, you know... Um, in a way, I think that's why I really enjoy Jaws 3D because it really Jaws 3D really leans into its cheesiness. Yeah, honestly, um, that might be my favorite one. Your favorite one? Mm-hmm. You prefer Jaws? Well, I, no, no, no. I mean, obviously, I should clarify. Obviously, original Jaws is the best movie and the most rewatchable. I think, like, what I mean is of the sequels, Jaws yeah, 3. Yeah, yeah. Because I, I really feel like Jaws 3 and Jaws 4, this doesn't really work for Jaws 2 because the plot is so um, centrally tied to Jaws. Um, but I think both Jaws 3 and Jaws 4 would be like perfectly great campy shark movies if they weren't Jaws movies. Do you know what I mean? Like exactly. like you said, they really suffer by their association to the, the original film, which is absolutely perfect. Yeah, and... Um... You know, there's that, there's that, um, you know, albatross around your neck for that, for, mm -hmm. for a Jaws film where you're struggling. What do you, um, did you know all the stuff that I talked about up front about um, there being a witch doctor in the original film? I did know that. They talked about that on How Did This Get Made. Okay. I, I did not know the stuff you talked about, especially around the production of the film and the timeline of the production. And as Insane. you said, it's, yeah, especially... I mean, I know that you pointed this out, but I really want to reiterate, I want everyone to really think about the fact that even if you know very little about the production of Jaws films, the one thing that everyone knows is they always take way longer than you thought they would because shooting on the water is really hard and shooting with an animatronic shark in the water is even harder. So the fact that they were like, we're putting you on a super tight timeline and they're like, you have no wiggle room and it's really short is just... Um, madness <laughs> yeah and yeah i mean notoriously the first jaws ran way over schedule mm -hmm. he was shooting spielberg was shooting you know moments of that film in the pool of his editor while she's editing the film right um the smartest thing jaws 3 did was essentially just take it out of the ocean and put it in the tank of water Right? Yeah. So the the fact that they tried to go back to the ocean for this film on the nine months after you've already given them an insane timeline, that is uh, hubris, I would say. Yeah, I think that's a fair word to use in this situation. <laughs> <Right>? Like, why? <laughs> you should have then just been like, okay, um, just so you should have been like, okay, Sid, like, definitely understand we got to, you know... We got to rail a Jaws film out in nine months after five days of writing the script, right? 
from right. start to finish. Uh, we're not doing this in the ocean. <laughs> I might shoot some stuff in am, uh, you know, might shoot shoot some stuff, but we're not going in the ocean. Like that's, right. uh, you know what I mean? Like that's uh, maybe some pickup shots of people on boats on the ocean. Maybe not doing the shark stuff in the ocean. Like that's. Um, also, I mean, like one of the biggest travesties of Jaws Four is that it completely pretends that Jaws Three is not canon anymore, and that bumps me out because, like, you yeah. know, D- Dennis Quaid in boat shoes riding one of those little like standing ski doos is right. just one of the best things that's ever been put to film. And you're going to tell me that didn't happen? It's not. It's not real. Yeah, we can't it's have really it. Weird, right? It's really weird that um, they did that. <laughs> right like that's <laughs> it's super weird <laughs> um you know um anything stand out to you anything any moments you loved from this film yeah a couple things um so i wouldn't say i loved it but just one thing that was super apparent to me is how lazy so many of the shark attack scenes are and when i say that i mean like a the editing is just so unbelievably quick and choppy that you there's no way to understand what's going on. Mm-hmm. And I say that knowing that it's only going to get worse in the next movie we're talking about. Um, but that really stood out to me in Jaws 4. And, and the fact that every time the shark bites someone, it seems like they rigged the fake blood to come out of the shark's mouth so that like as soon as the shark opens its mouth blood is pouring out even though it yeah. hasn't bit anyone yet right like it just makes it seem like this shark is in is like so angry because he's bleeding internally and he just is like trying to stuff his body with humans to like fill up whatever hole is bleeding it's just like so <laughs> wild he's like using the dead bodies as t- new teeth yeah, That'd like cotton amazing. balls. You know, like when you go to the dentist <laughs> and they put that, like those cotton, those like long, skinny cotton tubes. Oh, yeah. That's what the people's bodies are for him. I love um, it. I, I will say the one attack scene that I liked was the one on the um, banana boat. Like I actually thought that the mm-hmm. the fake shark they used in that sequence, even though it stays out of the water with the lady in its mouth for way too long. Like I thought that was actually pretty pretty good. Yeah. Um, and, and I really enjoyed... Um, I actually really enjoyed the storyline around um, what their older son's name is Michael. Is that right? Yes. The one who's still alive. Yes. Michael, Michael. and his wife. Like, I actually mm-hmm. thought that she, she was a director. really. Yeah. I actually really liked her character sort of being like, um, I feel like maybe in the time this was written, maybe we were supposed to think that she was like shrill and nagging, but I appreciated that she was just sort of like, hey, number one, I feel like you're not taking my job seriously or being respectful of my time. But two, like you're acting really weird and you're lying to me about it. And that's not how marriages work. And I just like, I actually found it to be more progressive than perhaps they intended it to be at the time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I Michael is really weird in this movie, honestly. Yeah. Um, well, that's what happens when you get rid of Dennis Quaid, man. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, I'm gonna be honest. I, um, you know, I, I really like Lance Guest as an actor, especially, you know, the last Starfighter is a phenomenal. He's great in that movie. He's good in yes. Halloween too. He's. It's more along the. I think a lot of the issues in this film are writing issues. Like mm-hmm. I think you needed more than five days to write a Jaws film. You yeah. Know? It's so weird, like how he gets on the ship with Mario Van Peebles and Mario Van Peebles. Is, 
immediately giving him shit about being awful and being terrible. And then he's like, oh, by the way. When I'm his sorry. brother just sorry, died. Sorry, your brother's dead. <laughs> yeah. The reason we he's, all suck and we're pissed is because you took all that time off. Oh, by the way. Yeah, sorry, he's your basically dead. like, you're such a selfish dick for taking time off for your brother's <laughs> funeral. So you have to fly all back to the United States. So ridiculous. What's Just absolutely absurd. I also... Um, to the writing point, like that little speech that Mrs. Brody gives to Michael on New Year's Eve, yeah. uh, where she's like, I don't know. It just, that's the other thing is, again, it goes down to the writing is it's like both she and Michael pretty quickly are like, well, we should both get over this. Why are we still acting sad? It's only, it, you know, it's already been three days and it's like, Let me. Yeah, your brother slash son was just brutally killed by a shark. Like, which is a time and like I also under like I understand that you know I understand that Ellen Brody is a little um, seemingly unhinged a little bit in this film, but you you think Michael would cut her some slack? Like, right? <laughs> she it'd be anybody would be unhinged after her husband almost dying from a shark. And then living in the same town, and then her son, all those years later, also being killed by a shark? Like, that, I mean, you know, cut the, limp, cut the woman some slack, is what I'm yeah, saying. Yeah, 100%. The trauma would be <laughs> unreal. Her saying that he died of a heart attack by the shark mm. is, is, is glorious. It's, it's just, just, like, it makes me so sad because... Like, Jaws and Jaws 2 are all about Chief Brody, like, conquering his fear of being on the water. So it just feels like such a slap in the face to his character to be like, and then he was so scared of the idea of the shark that he had a heart attack. And that's sort of intentional, right? Like, that's got to be somewhat intentional. Like, all right, motherfucker, you're not going to come back? Heart attack. Right, right. Because you're scared. And it was the shark's fault. (laughs) (laughs) Like, the shark was hiding outside his window. Oh, God. Oh, it's such a great night. Oh, it would God. be like, I don't know if you ever watched Deep Blue Sea 2. It was, be- is that the one that just came out like a year or two ago? They were like, we, this needed a sequel. Here it is. Yeah. Um, it's terrible and the CGI sharks are real bad. But there's a sequence where these two characters are talking in a room and they're in like an underwater base research mm-hmm. station like the first one. And there are portholes in the quarters into the ocean. And there is a sequence where these two villains are talking about their evil plan and a shark is just, like, hovering, like, just swimming directly outside the window, like, completely still. And it's like, first of all, sharks literally can't stop swimming or they'll die. Second of all, are you insinuating that the shark is, like, sitting here listening to their evil plan through this, like, metal wall and porthole? Like, what is happening? But I assume that's what happened to Chief Brody. Like, Jaws needed to kill him so badly that Jaws learned how to fly. And Brody woke up and the shark was hovering above his bed. And he had a heart attack, and then Jaws disappeared. But Mrs. Brody knew. <laughs> you know? A woman always knows. Oh, man. Yeah, I don't know. I think that the shark who sharks can't stop swimming or they die is a myth, actually. Is it really? I okay. I think so. Wait, we're going to do this right here live. We're going we're gonna to look it up. Okay? I thought they had to keep floating to keep water going through their gills. I think... But you see that, I guess that's not, yeah, you do see those videos of people like, like, you know, if you touch that one spot on a shark's nose, it like goes limp. Mm-hmm. They don't die then. Mm. 
Okay. Wait. I'm getting. I'm getting. I'm getting mixed answers oh, to this. Oh, conflicting information. Tell me more. I'm going to how stuff works because I trust that website. Yes. Good source of info. Seems like that's something they believed and no longer believe. Okay. All right. Yep. So what you're telling me is that scene in Deep Blue Sea 2, factual. Accurate. Sharks are <laughs> eavesdropping on your plans. <laughs> right now. All, all of them. All of us. That's what yep. COVID is. Sharks uh, <laughs> are eavesdropping on our plans now. Thanks, 2020. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. And some, um, you know, I don't want to get this uh, podcast banned. Um, I may edit this out, but, you know, um, due to some, you know, turns with COVID, maybe actually thank you, sharks. <laughs> maybe sharks are here to save us all. Oh, um, <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, I think if you have not seen Jaws the Revenge, I do not think it's a good movie. I don't think anybody would say it's a good movie. It's certainly not the movie the first film is, right? Or even the second film, I'm, I'm be honest. I think the second film yeah. is... An uneven film, but I think this is an outright insane fun film, right? I think that's fair. I think that's a very fair characterization. I mean, there's literally a, a scene where uh, Ellen Brody is just, like, getting super drunk at a street fair after psychically <laughs> sensing that the shark almost attacked someone in her family. So, you know, it's just, it's a real wacky film. <laughs> yeah, I mean, would you, so let me ask you this question. Would you have left the witch doctor in the film? No. No. So what would you have done instead? You know what, Jason? If I were in charge of this movie, I think I would have not made it. But <laughs> no, I mean, I think really the issue, right, is like them trying to make it's already a stretch in Jaws two and three that this like one family keeps being stuck in the middle of situations where shark, a dangerous shark is in a place where it is attacking humans, but they managed to find ways to make that feel sort of believable. And it feels like this movie is really where jaws jumps the shark, <laughs> like oh. where it's just like, you know, this shark, which first of all, how is the shark related to the sharks in all the other movies have died. So how is the shark related but also this one can smell their blood or like sense their family like i don't know the the idea of a shark following one family that flew in a plane didn't like go in a boat where maybe a shark could follow them but flew in a plane from new england to the bahamas and that shark went all the way down there and is just targeting that family I think for me, that's just like, that is the thing that is too ridiculous. And I understand that's why they wrote in the witch doctor storyline. That to me feels like there's no way to do that. That's not super problematic and racist, especially in the <laughs> early nineties. Um, but then maybe just try to think of a different reason why this family is interacting with sharks again. Well, this just occurred to me, but what if you made a film starring Chief Brody's wife? Right? Mm -hmm. Maybe mm -hmm. he does die of a heart attack and she believes the shark did it, right? Mm -hmm. And then her son does get killed by an unrelated shark. And then you make a sort of Moby Dick story where she goes out to slaughter the shark and she's somewhat delusional. Now she is Captain Quinn. Yes. I would watch the shit out of that movie. That's like, I think, the move, right? Like, yeah. You, if you want, you know, I'm not saying make her 
so unhinged she's unlikable, right? But it's a revenge story taking revenge on nature, which she seems feels like nature is feels like nature has cursed her family. Yeah, exactly. And it, and in that storyline, it would be a beautiful, it would be like a story about this woman who had been so deeply traumatized, right. trying to regain control in a situation where she has none. Whereas yeah. I feel like this movie tries to do that in the very end and then immediately um, underhands that by being like, nope, the men in her life decided that she can't take control, so they're going to take it for her because right. she can't do it alone. It would be too dangerous. So. Well, right, yeah, that's the other thing, right? This story should be about her, but it sort of just makes her a whack job. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, it sort of just makes her out to be... And I don't think she's doing a bad job here. I just don't think there's much for her to do except look crazy. Right. I did think she was really great. I mean, this isn't the core of the film, but I like, I think she does a great job. Um, and I loved getting to watch the storyline between her and Michael Caine because, um, it will not surprise listeners of this podcast, or I assume anyone that watches very many films that like, we don't often get to see storylines of women over like 35 falling in love. Right. And yeah. Th yeah. that was actually like a really lovely, like, I liked that that wasn't just a plot device. We got to, like, spend time sort of seeing their relationship. And I especially liked the conversation that she had with her daughter-in-law sort of being, like, really giddy and, like, I really like this guy, but what I don't really know what's going on, and I haven't done this in a long time. Like, that stuff was all so nice. And like you said, I just wish they had given – I wish more of the movie had been about her. And, like, I wish the victory ultimately could have been hers because I think that would have been a lot more meaningful. Mm. I was really surprised to find out that Mario Van Peebles had a lot of say in his character because it really felt like he was being forced to do something he didn't want to do. Yeah, that, right? wow, yeah, that character is just, wow, absolutely bananas. <laughs> yeah, I mean, had, when you saw this film, did you see the original ending or the one I talked about, the reshot? I saw the ending where he lives at the end where he swims yeah although i want to say explodes. yeah i want to say the the one that i saw ended with them blowing the shark up and then they find him like among the like their like their boat also blows up or something because they're all yes. in the water and they yes. find him and like pull him up on the whatever they're floating on is the version i saw they like they, like literally as soon as the shark dies it's like you hear him like, <coughs> like yeah, 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 20 yeah. feet away. Yeah. Yeah. Just a weird, weird, you know, if, if you and I get that audiences said that that moment turned them off. But like if you have to be like a special kind of delusion to see this film and be like, OK, that's the one thing I need to fix to make this film better. Yeah. And also it feels like <laughs> the, Jaws kind of has a um, track record as a series of like killing off a character you really love in a way. Like I, I still remember watching, like, as I said, the original Jaws really fucked me up. And, and when, when Quint is getting eaten by Jaws off the back of the boat, I literally burst into tears, got off the couch and ran into the other room and would not come out until they turned the movie off. I didn't see the end of Jaws until I was in my twenties because that scene was so horrifying to me. Mm. Um, and it still is, but like it's such a, it's such a, like it's a, it is a scene that is both a very effective, scary, 
monster action sequence and just really heartbreaking because we've come to appreciate the character. So yeah, it so it's strange to me that coming out of that legacy, people would be so angry at a main character being killed on screen because it just seems like you should sort of expect that going into a Jaws movie. I guess, but I think that the end to Quint feels fitting. Sure. Right? Like, I, I, I know we're not talking about the original Jaws, but, I mean, I just want to take a moment to say Robert Shaw's performance is one of my favorite performances in any film ever made. Um, one you've based your entire life off of. I, For people who know you outside up, of the podcast. <laughs> yes, I guess. <laughs> I was also on the Indianapolis. Um, <clears throat> I... I just think that that performance is so... Having grown up in New England, I know a million people like that. Mm -hmm. He just... You know, it's incredible to think that he is from another country, right? Like, he... That's the best depiction of a New Englander that I can... Of a of a blue-collared New Englander that... I, accurate that I can think of. Film. And, you know, that's... that's but he's also... Because of that, he's also the, the guy that should die that way. You know what I mean? Sure. It, it feels like because of the, in, the USS Indianapolis story that that's he feels that way, right? Like he so should have died so, there, right? But don't you think that there was something kind of fitting about Mario Van Peebles getting killed by the shark after he like repeatedly um, is so careless about the shark and like forcing Michael to go out on the boat after the shark and go in the water with the shark. Like to me, it yeah. felt he was so brazen the entire time when, even when Michael was like, I have seen people get like people, literally my brother just got killed by a shark days ago. It felt like hours ago. It just happened. <laughs> his um, arm got bit off and then was murdered by the shark after yeah. he lost his arm. And, like, kids just were singing Christmas carols. They had no idea. What a way to go. Um, but I get it. I think, like, it, it feels like you're saying it would have been more fitting for you if Mario Van Peebles was murdered by the giant conks instead. Yes, exactly. <laughs> That's exactly what I'm saying. Um, or Michael. <laughs> or Michael, quite honestly. If yeah. Michael had been, like, you know. Um, it just feels like, I, I don't know. I don't know. That, that character, and every character so sloppily put together um, yeah that's because of the five days of writing i'm assuming um but yeah yeah so any final thoughts on jaws the revenge anything you want to say i do have one last thing which is that yeah. to to this movie's credit i did actually find that the device they use in the film where um michael and mario van peebles character um, tag the shark so that they can hear its heartbeat whenever it gets close to them. I actually found that to be a really effective device for building tension, and I thought they used it cool. well. Yeah. Um, so so I, I would like to say hats off to them for that part, because I thought that was pretty cool. It's sort of similar to what they did. What was that? Um, <clears throat> Jurassic Park 3? You ever seen that film? Yes, it's been <clears throat> quite some time. Where the, where the Spinosaurus eats like the phone. And yes, the phone keeps yes, ringing yes, yes. every time it comes close. Sort of similar to that. Yes. Keep hearing the phone ring. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, equally silly film to this one, probably. Um, no, this one's more silly. This one's definitely more silly. Um, I don't know. Jurassic Park 3, I don't remember anything about that movie except that there is a scene where they're on like a caged-in walkway that's over a waterfall and a pterodactyl is trying to get at them and it's very stressful and then all of a sudden 
I think the walkway they're on falls, but like they fall and the pterodactyl falls. And um, I don't know if you, if this is sounding familiar, but there is like when they all fall, the sound effect of the pterodactyl, like, I guess like screeching because it's worried just sounds like a person it's, screaming. <laughs> and it's not, I, it's not a lion roaring. It is like, I'm in a hotel. I don't want to do it super loud, but it's like, it's like so high pitched and stupid sounding. And I just remember like, I was drunk when I watched Jurassic Park three and I must've watched that um, pterodactyl fall like 15 times. And I was just like street tears streaming down my face laughing. And I used to have just that like 10 second clip on my phone because it made me laugh so hard. Um, I recently learned that it must've gotten lost in one of my phone transfers. So I'm eager to rewatch the film so I can get that video clip back on my phone. Yeah, I, I guess. Please send it to me. I would love to hear it. Um, so yeah, let's, um, so we just talked about a film and you, and as you said, um, that was covered by how this get made. Let's talk about a film that should be covered by how this get made and have, let's just say, drop the ball clearly. Right? Yeah, we're laying the gauntlet for them right now. Yeah, yeah. Fucking dropping the ball for Jaws 5, a.k.a. Cruel Jaws. Sophie, why don't you, with all the brain cells you have left after seeing this film, oh God. muster together a coherent synopsis of Cruel Jaws? Oh, my you. gosh. I, I, I can't wait. I would be honored. So Cruel Jaws uh, is a movie that I had never seen. And it is about a small town. Uh, I'm assuming it's in Florida. Sure, it, I know they filmed it in Florida and it looked like Florida. So I'm assuming that's where it was set. Um, but this little town called Hampton Bay and people start getting eaten by sharks. And um, sometimes it's daytime and sometimes it's daytime with a blue filter and people are just getting eaten by sharks. And much like in the masterpiece um, Jaws, there is, there are two men in power who do not want the word of the shark to get out because mm. it will hurt the town, right? So you have this one guy who is a real estate developer, I think, um, who like hosts an annual regatta competition and he doesn't want people to find out about the shark because then he'll have to cancel the regatta. And then there's another guy, old guy who I assume was like the mayor or something who is just kind of like going along with whatever the real estate developer wants. Um, so that's our main plot. And then sort of, um, orbiting around that we have several other subplots. So we have this young mm -hmm. couple that the movie opens with who are, Billy and Vanessa and they are a couple and they're driving down there in an RV and he is a marine biologist of some kind. And she, we can tell from the beginning is impatient uh, with him doing anything work related and um, anything not related to them having sex together. Essentially. Right. Exactly. And as I, you know, just as I said that I thought Jaws Ford had such a good job of having a female character who like was trying to hold her partner accountable and try to make, space for both of their careers as well as their relationship uh this woman just is like the worst version of that where she's like just <laughs> really negative and annoying and um self-centered and frustrating um so that you have the two of them and they go to visit this like small i didn't ever watch tiger king but i assume that like this guy is like the like the Joe exotic of dolphins. Like he just has what looks like, they keep calling it like a, an aquarium or an amusement park. It sort of looks like if a guy in Florida 
just like built a pen on a canal that had some dolphins and a sea lion in it. And then people paid to come there. Um, that's what this guy if, is. Yeah. If Hulk Hogan owned a bunch of dolphins yes. and a sea lion, this, yes. is, this is who you, yeah, this is who you Yeah. And also his name is Dag and everyone calls him and his son, the Vikings. So I think we're to assume that they are like Nordic somehow in their descent. Um, uh-huh. So he um, runs this amusement park or whatever it is. And it's owned by the shitty real estate developer guy. So they don't like each other, which means their kids don't like each other. Now it's important to note that um, much like in uh, Romeo and Juliet, this movie has a star-crossed couple that comes from these two couples, <laughs> these two fathers. Um, and all they want is to melodramatically fuck and run away together, but they can't mm-hmm. because their dads hate each other. And the Hulk Hogan guy has a daughter. Uh, they keep alluding to this accident. They don't ever say like exactly what happened, but his wife died and his young daughter, who looks like she's maybe 11 or 12, was paralyzed from the waist down. And so she's in a wheelchair and can't use her legs, except at the end of the movie when sharks are attacking and the sheriff picks her up out of the water and she curls both her legs up, you know, like people who can't use their legs do. Um, and and then you have uh, the real estate developer has a son who is mm-hmm. a gross jerk off and his friend is also terrible. Uh, so that's, yeah, that's kind of the gist. You have like your stereotypical like rich uh yuppie teenagers who are jerks and then you have uh our main characters and obviously uh the all of these relationships are strained in various ways when a um large tiger shark starts eating people mm-hmm. <clears throat> how, how was that <laughs> good good um i think you forgot one very important character poppy oh, no. the sea lion who is the oh. hero of our story clearly Right. Yeah. He is the one that throws the real estate uh, real estate developer in the in the pool, right? That is true. Yes. Yeah, he's clearly the hero of this film. Yeah, so um a couple things to be of note of this before we continue talking about this film. All the shark footage in this film is from other films. Oh, that every shark attack is, is uh, stolen from other films and everything else is edited around it. Wow. Yeah. What's funny is I was going to say that one of the only things about this movie that worked for me was that some of the shark sequences were actually really effective. So it's really yeah, depressing really that those were from, them. Yeah. Those were from other movies. <laughs> but there are other movies. Um, the idea of like the mafia being there um, in the real That's from the novel, right? Is from the book, right? Yeah. It's like directly lifted from the book and was cut out. I think smartly in the first film. Mm. I, I mean, I just want to uh, the director of this film, long purveyor of trash cinema <laughs> friends and coll- collaborated with claudio fragresso quite often he's the director of trolls 2 the infamous trolls 2 you know so bruno Mattai is um uh, an italian filmmaker believe it or not this film was slotted to have a screen factor release what but got canceled because all that footage is unauthorized Oh no, that's right. devastating. Right. So you're gonna. We could have had an official release of this film. It did also go out with like the illegal uh, Jaws Five. Um, you know, there was releases that went out with the, the slip in the front that said it was Jaws Five. So I'm assuming some people saw this film, assuming this was the sequel to Jaws Four. I mean, that in and of itself is honestly pretty spectacular. <laughs> like the just like the balls it would take. You're like, yeah, this is a Jaws movie. <laughs> 
fight me. <laughs> what are you going to do about it, Spielberg? Right. <laughs> I'll send the mafia over there. That's crazy. Um, I just want to pull some of my favorite lines from this film. Um, I, well, so before we do that, what did you think of Cruel Jaws? Well, so as I said, um, I, so I should say for off the bat, I had never seen this movie. And honestly, you saw it today, right? Yeah, today was the first okay. time I saw it. Um, there was a period of time at the beginning where I was like, you know, this isn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. And then we go on to our first sequence that's supposed to be nighttime, <laughs> where it's clearly like high noon in Florida with like a very light blue filter over everything. And um, I was talking to my partner about this earlier today because um, I was telling him about the movie. And I was like, it's funny because for so much of the movie, whenever there was a night sequence, I just pretended that it was a day sequence that they filmed with. A th I was just like plot wise. I was like, it's not even nighttime. Don't think about it because it's going to like make you so angry because most of them, it doesn't really matter that it's nighttime. Like th the night scenes almost always are just an excuse for like people to be like fucking on the beach which they couldn't get away with during the daytime so like it has to be nighttime but there is a scene where this it's nighttime this couple leaves the club and goes to the beach it's clearly nighttime at the club and they go to the beach and again it's like noon with a blue filter and they're in the water making out and their friends come and are standing like 10 feet away on shore yelling at them and if this were a scene that was actually shot at night the people in the water wouldn't be able to see the friends and so they're like they think it's the cops and like oh who is that and then they're like oh it's just you guys you're assholes but again i can't stress how bright it is outside and like that scene made me so livid that i had to like get up and take a beat so yeah that like this movie I can see that this movie would be really fun to watch with a group of people. Like there were some parts of this movie that just really like had me cackling out loud by myself, but uh, it's not good. It's, it's certainly not bad and fun in the way that Jaws four is like Jaws four. I could see myself like going back and watching again at some point, like even by myself, just because I thought it was fun. Like that would not, I would not watch this again unless I was forcing other people to watch it. Yeah, I okay, I understand. I, I actually think this film is a lot of fun. Like, I have fun watching it. I didn't, um, it, I've watched it multiple times at this point, believe it or not. The, it's funny, um, it reminds me, the, what you're talking about before reminds me, there's a movie Andrew and I watched for this podcast called The Crater Lake Monster in 1970s, mm -hmm. uh, which has a scene where it's clearly, clearly, um, I want to say it's, clearly nighttime but they're like pointing up at the sky and being like look at how bright the sun is and like oh my gosh and like, it's, it's amazing so it might be the opposite it might have been like it's clearly daytime and they're like look at the beautiful stars and the guy's like forcing the squint to look at them it's mm -hmm. unbelievable that's sort of similar to kind of what happens in this film that's the sort of thing you're dealing with the editing is so bad but at the same time you have to understand he's editing around other film things that happen in other films. For sure. I think I like, like, that's now that you say that, I wish I, I had known that going in because I feel like my experience of this movie would be really different. <laughs> There's just so like one of the things I enjoy so much about this film is like the lines are ludicrous. Mm -hmm. Um like the guy you're talking about who's the son of the real estate developer has a line like I'm the pursuer in charge of pussy. 
I think he says. Yeah. In this film. Mm-hmm. Um, he does say H- that. <laughs> Hulk Hogan has the great... The guy who looks like Hulk Hogan says, I'll beat the shit out of anyone who tries to poison my dolphins. And, um, <laughs> you know, who doesn't feel that way? <laughs> because they go... The real estate developer tries, attempts... And his son and his friends attempt to poison and murder the dolphins. And again, this is happening at night time. <laughs> so they're like, be quiet or the dolphins are going to wake everyone up. And it is very clearly the middle of the day, which is very yeah. funny. I did, I have to admit that I did um, really enjoy how much of this movie is 80 yard. Like, oh, yeah. Especially scenes where it's 80 yard over the actor's face and they don't even try a little bit to make the mouths match up. Like there's, so there's a scene towards the middle of the film, I guess like end of the second act where Vanessa and Brian are in their um, hotel room apartment. It's unclear wherever they are. They're like in their apartment or wherever there's something on the TV that looks like a commercial, but there's like club music playing. So they're like dancing Mm -hmm. and then they start making out on the couch and she stops to check her watch and I guess what she's trying to communicate is that her friend that's driving them to the club is running late but then someone knocks immediately and she's like oh she's early so first of all those lines just don't make sense and they've ADR'd them so her mouth moves and opens once as though she said one word and like an entire sentence comes out which was startling yeah amazing movie you know what, um, you, I should, I really should say, like, I want to be clear that, like, I did have, I did have fun watching this movie, like, because, and you talked about there being great lines, like, she has a line immediately after that where the sheriff comes over and is like, Billy, more people got eaten by sharks, we need your help, and she's like, but you said we were going clubbing, and he's like, <laughs> right, but people are dying, and it won't take that long. And she's like, hey, Billy, I want you to find the tallest building in the city yes. and jump off of it and then go fuck yourself. <laughs> Which, like, I would put those in the opposite order, but I appreciate her style. I don't know. I think that that's a pretty epic line. Like, I <laughs> think I may use that. Next time my boss asks me to do something I don't want to do, I'm going to say, find the tallest skyscraper, jump off, and go fuck yourself. Next time our president tweets about not wearing a mask. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, there's also a scene where the shark is attacking someone, or it looks like the shark is attacking someone, and someone says, oh, look, that shark's about to nip you in the ass, which is <laughs> wonderful. Can you explain to me why? Okay. So the regatta happens because uh-huh. uh, just like the mayor from Jaws, this real estate developer doesn't want to cancel anything. Um the shark starts attacking people. There's this great scene where the, the Coast Guard goes out in boats and all these guys that were on like wait, uh, wind boards, wind surfboards, yes. he's like, everyone, leave your boards. Get out of the water. And it's like, you don't have to tell anyone to get out of the water. They all just saw someone get eaten by a shark. No one's like hanging around to see what happens. But anyway, the girl uh, who was in the wheelchair falls in the water because the shark bumps the dock or something and she falls in or someone bumps into her. Anyway, she goes in the water, so Vanessa jumps in to save her, and after she gets taken out of the water, Billy is trying to reach her, and he just can't. Their hands are, like, six inches apart, and he can't reach her. And Uh then 
she kind of goes underwater as though the shark got her, although we don't see anything. And then she goes underwater again. And then all of a sudden, it we jump cut to a, a ambulance pulling into the hospital. And then we see the little girl. And the doctor's like, she was just in shock. She's going to be fine. She asks her dad, is Vanessa okay? And he says, yes, Vanessa is fine. She's at home with Billy. And then they go in the elevator. And then it cuts to Billy being like, in the same hospital lobby being like fuck you real estate tycoon vanessa is dead and i was like you know i just want to know like i understand that this girl has been through a shock and as a parent you want to protect her but don't you think it's going to be just as damaging later to tell her you lied and vanessa has been dead the whole time i'm wondering what you think as a as a as a parent I think she sees dead people, and this is a uh, sixth sense scenario. <laughs> so, like, so Vanessa will never know. leave her. Right, she may never know. Okay. Yeah, she's that makes gonna sense. She's alive. I'm on board. <laughs> you know, um, there's also a scene early on where a group of women yell dick brain at a guy, and he appears to be falling over from it. And um, I just wanted to say I relate. Like, that was, you know, that's something that happened to me as well when I was growing up. Because they're, like, you know, horn-dogging on these girls. Like, this film is very horny. Yes, it is. Go ahead. I was going to say, just, like, speaking to how horny this movie is, I could literally spend an entire hour-and-a-half podcast talking about Vanessa's outfit to go clubbing, which is a super high-waisted white miniskirt and a 100% sheer scarf that she has tied around her boobs like a bandeau but you can see both of her nipples and i was so about it like when she when she tells that guy to jump off a building and go fuck himself i was like all right vanessa i'll be at the club in 25 minutes okay (laughs) just hang tight it's gonna be fine yeah that in her boyfriend um the guy who's like the richard dreyfus stand-in sort of right character um, the Hooper stand-in, really? That's who he is, right? Mm-hmm. He's the, the, the shark expert. Yeah. Um, sort of looks like a n- mid-early 90s um, Matt Damon with a bowl cut. Um, <laughs> That's so accurate. Oh, no. He's, <laughs> he is so whiny about all the information that he has that I was like, I really... All these, all, this entire film made me just appreciate the first film so much more of how bad that film could be. Like, that's the, I think the greatest achievement of this film is it takes everything the first original film does and drops it down so low to such a low degree that you're like, that first film is, uh, I mean, I, I, everyone already felt that way, but this film really does credit for the first film in that way, in my opinion. Interesting. No, you're not feeling that? I don't know. I gotta think about it. Like, just think about if Richard Dreyfus put on the performance that this guy puts on in the original Jaws. Yeah, I suppose that's true. What yeah. that movie... Eh, sharks swim in the water! Like, that's how every line is delivered in this film. <laughs> God. I like sharks! That's, like, how he delivers every single line. Okay, that's um, yeah, that's fair. He is he is real whiny. The problem is, I think like, I think like his whininess for me got so overshadowed by Vanessa's that I didn't notice anything wrong about his performance. But I think that you're right. 
There's a moment that's basically lifted from the first film where Hooper wants to cut the shark open because he doesn't believe it's the original sh- the shark, and they have to look at like the innards of that shark, right? Right. Um, a very famous scene in Jaws. Yes. That's sort of duplicated here, uh-huh. and they're like looking at the dead body, right? And they're talking about the the rate the ratio of the jaw size, like which happens almost verbatim in the first film, right? What kind of shark it is, and they're like. What is what is it? And he's like, uh, it could be a killer. Sh- could could be a um a killer whale. It could be a shark. And they're like, oh, this delivery is so good. They're like, well, I need to know what it is. And he's like, oh, I don't know. I have to. I'm just looking at the body. Like that's how he delivers that line. And I immediately was like, man, imagine Richard Dreyfuss had that performance in the original Jaws. How much better of a film. God, it's like oh, wow. Oh man, yeah. Um, I'm thinking too the like star-crossed lover thing is mm-hmm. a thing that's taken from the book. Um, in the book, I don't know if you know this or not. In the in the book, Hooper's having an affair with Brody's wife. Did you know I this? did not know that. So in the original book, yes, Spielberg was like, we're not putting that in the film. But essentially, Hooper is having sex with Chief Brody's wife um, and cheating on him. His wife's cheating on him, and he discovers it, and they have a face-off on the boat prior oh. to the shark attacking. Um, so I'm thinking, like, the star-crossed lover thing is kind of lifted from that. You know, they're trying to add sure. that element a little bit back into this film. Um, and you could see why those elements don't work and why Spielberg's a genius because cutting those two things out are yeah. just bad for film. Well, plus, plus in this movie, like, having that storyline allows for more conflict between the two dads because otherwise, like, obviously, mm. real estate tycoon guy trying to, um, like, sell the aquarium out from under him is is a conflict, but it's not the kind of thing that you can keep coming back to throughout the movie, but having... having um, real estate tycoon's daughter dating uh hulk hogan's son like just like creates a way for them to go back to that well over and over and over again which honestly ends up being the main source of the tension for most of the movie i mean in fairness though if you had a daughter would you want her hanging around hulk hogan i mean (laughs) i feel like asking that question is leaving out the fact that this poor girl appears to live with a father who is a horrible real estate tycoon oh. who hits her and mm-hmm. her brother is like a disgusting violent pervert so um yes you're saying you're saying from that the violent racist that is hulk hogan is a step up and probably a sexual predator as well i mean i wouldn't say the real hulk hogan but this hulk hogan for oh okay sure. okay gotcha 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 um, but but game, again, based on the characters in her life, the real Hulk Hogan doesn't seem like he'd be a whole lot worse than what she's dealing with now. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, there's also a scene where the, where the the mafia real estate guy goes and starts threatening people, right? I went yeah. to the scene earlier when Poppy throws him in the pool. <laughs> but before that happens, he starts yelling the insanest shit in front of that girl. So the little girl is there in the wheelchair, and he turns to her dad and is like you're gonna have to buy another wheelchair oh my god i forgot that line that line was wild (laughs) i was like are you what you said that in front of the paralyzed girl 
They're gonna paralyze somebody else. I I couldn't believe. And then you know our hero Poppy comes and pushes him, him in the pool. Can oh, we yeah. talk about how I can't believe we made it this far without saying that um this movie <laughs> plagiarizes the Star Wars theme not once but twice. <laughs> yes. I literally had to get up. I was so like. I talked about this to Jason uh, pre-show, but I'm in a hotel right now. I'm traveling for work. And Mm -hmm. I literally had to pause the movie and rewind and be like, wait, wait, wait. Like, it it broke my brain. Because, like, of course, the Star Wars theme is so iconic. And you recognize it instantly. And hearing it played, uh, first of all, just hearing it played and then having it uh, having the music resolve in a different way is already really jarring right because it like mm. they they play like maybe two stanzas of it and then it goes into something else so that they can claim that it was a different they were doing a different thing um mm-hmm. and they, they they and they rip off the jaws theme as well um but like hearing that music which is like so amazing and triumphant while it's just like a scene of a tugboat kind of like tooting out a canal is <laughs> fucking insane I, I mean that's sort of what Brutabatai does is just like brazenly rip things off and um, make the worst possible versions of them. in 1989 he made a film called Terminator 2 what <laughs> yes wait just to be clear he didn't make the real Terminator 2 he made another movie called, called Terminator, Terminator 2, 2. Cool. The plot of that film is in a polluted future. Venice researchers work to improve the situation. One day, unknown forces start killing them, and a team of soldiers and a couple of civilians is sent to investigate. You know what? I think I might be in love with this man. (laughs) That is some balls. (laughs) You know what I mean? He's got some real uh, Ellen Brody dating energy, you know? Yeah, he's got some chutzpah. That's for sure. Like, imagine I just made a film today, right? Just made a film today and called it, I don't know, Ordinary People 2. (laughs) (laughs) It it was about, like, you know, a killer robot dog. Right? I'm currently uh, working on my never-before-heard-of film, um, Super Troopers, (laughs) and... uh, no one's ever done it before, so I'll, I'll be working on the script, and if you have any ideas, you can send them my way. Nice, nice. Next year, I have uh, Force Gump 2 coming out, and, um, you know, it's a uh, rape revenge story, you know? <laughs> Jason, don't tease me like that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, come on. That's, I don't know. It's, it's, it really is... Um, with, hot, with like the type of filth that's in this film, to just call this the new, the next Jaws film is is admirable in some ways, right? Wait, say again. With the type of sleaze that this film is, to call it Jaws Five, I think is admirable. Yeah. You can't just latching yourself onto a beloved franchise and saying you're one of those movies. You know what this movie no... reminded me of the whole time is. Oh, fuck, what's that movie called? Have you seen that movie? It's a shark movie. It has, like, one of the most famous bad lines of all time. 
where these two people have been hunting a shark all day that's been eating people. And then he's like, she's like, I'm exhausted. And he's like, yeah, I'm really tired. I'm also really wired. What do you say I take you home and eat your pussy? You know what movie I'm talking about? (laughs) No. Is this a porn movie? (laughs) No, it's like a legit, oh my God. Now I have to find it. Oh, yes. This is like shark attack or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is what, and like, I actually, that movie is garbage, but I actually do love that movie. And this reminded me of that a lot. Is it called Shark Attack? Shark Attack 3. I want you to know that the book that's based on, yes, Shark Attack 3 Megalodon. Yes. 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 Um, Yes, yes, yes. It's for sure this. And... I'm pretty sure that the guy who wrote the book this is based on is from Wilmington, Delaware. It's one of our few claims to fame. It's a book. Is Uh, that line in the book? Oh, I have no idea. I haven't read it, but probably I should. Um, Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think we, I think maybe, um, you know, we should pitch an idea to have a live reading of that book on this podcast. Oh my God. I mean, I do love it when uh, Andrew reads fanfic, so... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yes, yes, yes. All right, any final words about our uh, beloved Cruel Jaws? Um, you know, as someone who went to college in Florida, I just wish I knew where the club is that they went. Because, like, that one friend was like, everyone's here. Mm. And and I've, I wanted to be there. In a time of COVID when... I haven't been to a club or outside of my pajama pants in months. A club sounds lovely. If you were to guess, when do you think this film was made? Uh, well, I, I don't know if this is connected. I know it was released in 95. Was it made like way before that? No, no, no. Does this look like a film that was made in 1995? No, if you would, if I didn't know that, I would have guessed. Like, well, here's the thing: the clothing looks very '90s, but other than the clothing, I would have guessed like '82. <laughs> yeah, because they're like dancing to disco and stuff. It's like weird. Like, there's a very '80s. I mean, it looks like it was filmed in 1895, um, based on. <laughs> the way the film looks. But yeah, I, like, I forgot to mention that when Vanessa goes to the club and she has, like, the mini skirt and the completely sheer scarf, she's also wearing a really big bustle, so. <laughs> Can you imagine? Why like, has no one ever made a shark movie where it's, like, Victorian people in, like, so many clothes getting eaten idea. by a shark? And they're just yes. like, oh, no! And the shark's, like, gagging on all of their layers. <laughs> gagging on a wig? Like, one of those powdered <laughs> wigs? <laughs> He's like, so many corsets. <laughs> I have whalebone in my idea. teeth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, this film does, is awful. Like, it looks like somebody took a camera, put a dinner plate on the ground, and filmed <laughs> everything that happened off the reflection from the dinner plate. <laughs> and sometimes <laughs> the dinner plate was blue. Yes, sometimes that's how you know it's nighttime when you put a blue filter. Oh man, I really like the- Jason. I can't, I can't, I cannot explain to you. I have like seen, I know that that's a thing people do. Like that day for night is a thing that people have to do sometimes. I have never 
seen it done so needlessly and badly <laughs> ever in my life. Like it's, it is, they didn't do any color correction. It doesn't look dark at all. And I just, I have so many questions. This again, this is a film that shot around scenes from other movies. But even still, they could have <laughs> shot some of those beach scenes in the actual darkness. I mean, I guess they just couldn't afford literally any lights, I assume. They had to shoot everything at high noon so that it all looked the same. And I know that some of these actors are absolutely atrocious just in general, but some, there's, there's moments where there's takes and you're like, there had to be a better take than that. <laughs> Definitely. I mean, <laughs> like the entire sequence where Vanessa gets eaten by a shark, I was like, Billy, you're not even doing good, and I've seen better from you. Like, right. woof. Like, they're like, nope, we're going with it. <laughs> it's like the director's like, we're putting Jaws on the title, it doesn't matter what happens. I mean, I've based on the four. amount of ADR, it really feels like they just did one take for every single Everything. shot. And then they were like, yeah. if we don't like the way you said it, we'll just have you record it over top. Wait, wait. Do you think some of those lines were ADR that were so horribly? How like how could you? How could you, how could that be ADR? <laughs> I don't know. That man. take was an ADR. I don't know. Maybe. Holy shit, dude! Okay. So much, so much of this movie was ADR. I wouldn't have been surprised if I got on here and you were like, the movie was originally shot in Italian. I'd be like, right, that makes sense. It may have been. It may have been. I don't know. I should, probably should have looked that up. I probably should have anticipated that question, but I didn't, you know? <laughs> I didn't. And you know what? I don't feel like I should put forth the energy to find out either because... I don't either. Know, Mr. Matai didn't do any effort making this film, so, <laughs> you know? Um, <laughs> and here we are talking about it, so I guess he went. I would say... I'm just going to leave it with, if you have not seen Cruel Jaws, you can definitely find it online for free, as I did. I did, definitely didn't pay for this film. Oh, I'm I did pay Sophie for did. it. You I, did? I did pay You bought it? I'm no, sorry. I just rented it. I didn't buy it. You bought it? You bought this? Yeah. No, no, um, no. I rented it. I rented it. I rented it. Okay. Okay. I would say watch it, like, especially with, like, a couple people and some beers. Like, yeah. I think it's, it, you probably have a good time, you know? Yeah, There's I would wholeheartedly agree here. with that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Any other final thoughts on Cruel Jaws? You think we can... I know that, like, something is going to come to me as soon as we end, because I oh, can feel so it much. on my brain, yeah. but nothing, nothing comes to mind right this second. I think, I think whole, I'm good to let this lie. The whole end of this film is insane, and we didn't even talk about it. They're, like, <laughs> trying to blow the shark up. There's dolphins trying to rig explosives underwater. Um, there's a lot, there's a lot, I, you know, but I'd like to leave some meat on the bone mm -hmm. for some people who might come to this. Just like um, the sharks did. Just <laughs> I do want someone to make me a list of all of the movies that this took shark footage from, because some of the shark footage in this was really cool. Mm. So uh, some of them were jar Jaws kills. I'll tell you that right now. Oh, shit. Um, some of them were definitely Jaws kills. Um, I think mostly they're from Jaws films, I believe. There is one other, uh, Deep Blood and Great White are the other two films. Okay. Deep Blood. So go check that those films out too. Oh, I have I'm not going seen Great to. White or or those are both Italian films as well. I assume whichever one of those is the one 
the sequence at the beginning where the shark was knocking the rocks down to um, like block those guys into an underwater cave was like was actually very effective I thought well, we also didn't talk about the reveal in this film that this shark was trained by the Navy. Oh, my God. I forgot about that. I, it made me so angry. Well, <laughs> I shouldn't say it made me angry, but it made me wonder if Deep Blue Sea stole their idea from this movie. What do you think the shark did in the Navy? Was he, like, a first mate? Was he, you know, mopping I, the deck? He scrubbed the poop decks. Yeah? You think he scrubbed the mm-hmm. deck? Mm-hmm. Ooh. Okay. Because what, what else are you, what are you training a shark to do? Yeah, they're like to attack the enemy, but presumably like your naval enemy is in a ship that a shark isn't going to do any damage to. This shark is, uh, you know, this special shark. He's you real know, spunky. Sea, in Deep Blue Sea, the sharks were like super intelligent, right? Correct, the, yes. See in that film. This is just a shark that the Navy picked up and was like taught to jump through hoops or something, right? That's... Presumably yeah. it's not a super intelligent shark. It's not a genetically engineered shark. Right, I guess shark. that's true. It's just like a regular shark that they trained. <laughs> yes, like Jabberjaw. I also, also, I can't believe we didn't talk about, I'm just going to throw this out there. If you haven't watched the movie and you're planning to watch it with some friends um, and you might want to do some kind of drinking game, it's probably clear to you from this that you could drink every time they do day for night because it happens a lot. But I would also drink whenever Billy talks about how territorial the sharks are because mm. he says it so many weird ways. He says territoriality a lot. And I don't think that's a thing. And I would drink for that for sure. <laughs> I would also um, drink every time a character utters the phrase, I'm going to tear his balls off because that happens at least six times. I think <laughs> in this, film. this film is obsessed with tearing balls. off. No one has testicles at the end of this movie. No. <laughs> <laughs> Every ball, pair of balls have been ripped off the person, <laughs> which explains, you know, why he delivers the lines that he delivers, Billy. You know, makes sense. <laughs> We've solved it. That's why he wants. That's why he's worried about quote unquote flounders and not fucking his girlfriend. You know, I guess. Is that checks out to me? Mm, cool. I think we solved the mystery. So go out there and uh, get yourself some cruel jaws. You know. Don't pay for it like Sophie did. Yeah, please steal don't. Steal it, please. <laughs> steal it. I'm advising you to steal it. Bruno Matai deserves it. And he stole everything that happened in this film, so why not, you know, complete the cycle? Yeah. That's all I'm saying. You know? At, when I inevitably rewatch it, I will be watching it illegally. Good, good, good for you. Um, good night, everyone. Love you. Good night. Thanks for coming. I hope you enjoyed another edition of Triassic Park.